0: Welcome to Purpose Church on the very first Sunday of 2022. My name is Eric and I'm so glad that you have joined us. Now, here's the thing about 2022. It is full of potential. But before we get too excited about all the things that could come in 2022, I want to rewind the clock to maybe an uncomfortable place for many of us, and it was the beginning of 2020. I mean, 2020 was packed with potential. I mean, it just sounded cool. It was the year of vision, and I imagine every single one of us had dreams and goals for that year. And yet, in January 26th of 2020, Kobe Bryant tragically died in a helicopter accident. By February of 2020, over 47 million acres of Australia had burned in their fires, affecting negatively over 80% of the entire continent. And then by March of 2020, well, we began a global pandemic that would bring with it racial tension, economic challenges, and political tension. Here's the thing all of us were disappointed. And so, As we begin 2022, I want to be careful to not make any promises about what this year will look like. But what I can assure you of is this, that while you have no control over how other people are going to respond to you or interact with you in 2022, you have complete control over the decisions that you will make. And I want to propose to you and and suggest that the very first Christians 2,000 years ago, that they were a, a scared and small group of followers of Jesus who found themselves in between the greatest miracle in the history of the world, the resurrection of Jesus, and the greatest uncertainty about their futures, that being how the Roman Empire would respond to their faith in Christ. And these very first Christians... They had no political power. They had no rights. They were virtually powerless. And yet they made six decisions that would not only chart the course for their lives, but it would actually change and determine the course of history. And I want to propose that if you and I, if we make those same six decisions that changed the world, that they could also determine the course for our lives. In fact, maybe if we made the same six decisions that the early followers of Jesus did, we might see an awakening and a revival in our hearts, in our communities, and in the world. But in order to do that, we've got to devote ourselves to six things. We've got to make six decisions. Now, our Bible word for today is devoted. As we're going to see in our text, there were six things that the early followers of Jesus devoted themselves to. And that word devoted means that they were anchored to, that they were attached to. In other words, the first Christians, they were devoted and decided their priorities in advance. And if you want to have a great 2022, you got to decide your priorities in advance. In fact, that's true for much of life. Our family took a trip in December with uh, some of our friends, John and Callie and their kids to the Grand Canyon. And we were so excited to go to the Grand Canyon, but make no mistake about it. Before we got there, we made a decision. Our goal for this experience was for all of us to get home safely. Okay. That was the plan. All of us were going to get home safely. Sure. We wanted to see the Grand Canyon. We wanted to enjoy it, but we were devoted to and had made the decision in the advance. The goal is to get home safely. Now, we'll stick at this picture for a second because The kids started to get really hungry, and we had heard that there was an ice cream shop at the end of this path that we were on. So our kids start running, and I'm feeling with anxiety because as they are running to the ice cream shop, and whoever planned this, I don't know what they were thinking, but there is a long stretch on the way to the ice cream shop where there is no rail guard, there is no rocks. Right over here, there were rocks, but just this way, there was no rocks, no rail guard. Literally, you walk up to the edge of that cliff, And there it is. We were terrified. In fact, we were chasing our kids, screaming after them because we had decided in advance that the goal was that all of us would return alive. Well, my hope for today is that each one of us would see that these six decisions will make 2022 as life changing and world changing as they did for those first followers of Jesus. Let's jump into our text together. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far, far off for all whom the Lord, our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the context. The Christians are scared. And can I just say a word for someone out there? It is possible to be scared and faithful at the same time. Maybe you're coming into 2022 and you're a little scared about some things. You can be scared and faithful. You can be scared and obedient to God's word. You can be scared and trusting God. And some of you need that. Some of you need to make that declaration and commitment that those things are scary for you and uncertainty about a job, about a future, about a relationship, relationship, remain faithful to God. And in the middle of this, these early followers of Jesus, they make six decisions that I hope you and I will make together. The first one is this, and I'm going to share this on behalf as as though we're making these commitments as well. Number one, read your Bible. The text begins Acts chapter two, verse 42, like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Translated 2,000 years later, this is the Word of God. God's Word is a library full of 66 different books in multiple different genres, written by 40 different authors over a fifteen or 1,600-year time period on three different continents, communicating to you and I that God loves us. In fact, this is what the Bible is. The Bible is God's inspired and authoritative revelation to humanity about who he is, who we are, and how we are to love God and others. If you are wondering who God is, if you are wondering who you are, if you are wondering what it means to live with a purposeful life, search no further than God's perfect revelation to you and I. The Bible is incredible. I want you to see this quote by Dr. J.O. Kinneman. He said, Of the hundreds of thousands of artifacts found by other archaeologists, not one has ever been discovered that contradicts or denies one word, phrase, clause, or sentence of the Bible, but always confirms and verifies the facts of the biblical record. I love what Hugh Ross says about the Bible. Hugh Ross, who uh, is an astrophysicist, he says this, the Bible contains 2,500 prophecies. A prophecy is a promise that God will fulfill. The Bible contains 2,500 prophecies. 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. The chances of this happening, by chance, are 10 to the 20,000th power. I can't even count how many zeros that is. In other words, God, God's word, God's promises can be trusted. And let's go back to one of the church fathers, Pastor, or St. Augustine. St. Augustine, the, the fourth century North African theologian, he said this, For now, treat the scripture of God as the face of God. Melt in its presence. God desires that you would come so close to him through his word that your relationship with him would be nourished and grown through his word. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls are are an interesting moment in the history of the Bible because in the year 1947, the oldest Hebrew manuscript that we had was dated to the year 900 A.D. And we've had copies since then, but the oldest one we had was 900 A.D., to which a lot of people have asked the question, and maybe you've asked the question, how do I know that what's written here in my English version of the Bible is what God inspired to actually have been written back then? Like, How can I be confident in that? Well, in the year 1947, the oldest copy that we had dated 900 AD. Well, that same year, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, which were 223 new manuscripts that we had not found before, and the oldest one of them dated to the year 125 BC. This means overnight, our oldest manuscript is now 1,000 years older than the one that we had the day before. And everybody was asking the same question. When they compare these manuscripts with a thousand years difference between them, will they be the same? And what they found was astonishing. In fact, the similarities were 95%. And the 5% differences between them were punctuation, slight, cha- slight uh, uh, you know, not a comma or, or slight differences that had no theological meaning at all. In other words, God's word has been so perfectly preserved for you and I that we might know him, that we might be close with him. It's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I understand you're getting to those parts of your Bible where you're reading, and you're just going, I don't get it. I don't understand. I just had that moment the other day. I was reading Deuteronomy 21. And I'm just telling you, that that chapter of the Bible, I didn't get anything out of it. And I, I'm, I'm weird like this. Whenever I read the Bible, I like to take notes. I, I have a Google doc. I write down what God is teaching me. And I, I force myself in every chapter to take a note of what God is teaching me. And at the end of reading Deuteronomy 21, I saw nothing. I got nothing out of it. It bothered me so much that the next day I went and I reread Deuteronomy 21 again. And then I found this part at the end that said, cursed is a man who is hanging on a pole. And I remembered what Paul said in Galatians three thirteen that Jesus was cursed on our behalf so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be in relationship with God. And all of a sudden, one day, I saw nothing in Deuteronomy 21. The next day, I saw the gospel. You see, this is the beauty of God's word being alive and active. And so my challenge for you is to actually read the Gospel of Luke with us. We're going to go into it and I'll talk about it in a minute. We're going to start a brand new series next week in the Gospel of Luke. And so I want to invite you to commit every day to reading the Gospel of Luke. The second decision that they made and that they would challenge us with is number two, commit to a life group. Let's go back to our passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to Fellowship. Now, this word fellowship in the original language is, a, is an interesting word. It's koinonia, and it literally means contribution. So, whenever you hear the word fellowship, whenever you think about life groups, the, the imagery is that you and I would be contributing to each other's lives. That you and I would make a decision to to regather in our group, to to join a group. Maybe some of you, God's calling you to start. A life group. But as you show up to that, it's not just, okay, what does this life group have for me? It's how can I contribute to this community? Did you know that Jesus had a, had a really interesting evangelism strategy? He, he lets us know in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by this love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you know that that as you commit to a life group as you regather with your group as you join a group as you start a group that if you guys will commit to each other and love each other well that the world is going to see that and say that is an uncommon kind of love that they are not unified by political affiliation they're not unified by the salaries they make they're not unified because of their ethnicity no they are unified by Christ and they love each other so well I want some of that, and so my encouragement is to think about how, through your community, could God do a miracle in your life, and in others. You know, it was really interesting when I uh, was probably a sophomore in college. uh, I grew up Presbyterian, and I was at a camp with one of my friends—a group at a Presbyterian church. I was at a camp with a friend. I was leading at it, and and one of my friends from our Presbyterian church—he came up to me and he said. Eric, and and him and I were close friends. We were in the same life group. We were doing life and community together. He came up to me and he said, Eric, I had a vision from the Lord for you. I said, bro, we're Presbyterians. We don't have visions. Like, I I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, no, I had a vision of you. You were a youth pastor and you were standing in this basketball court and there were all these diverse students around you. And I said, bro, it doesn't even make sense. I don't know what you're talking about. Fast forward all these years later, when I got to Purpose Church nine years ago, they showed me where the high school room is, and it just so happens there's a giant basketball court. And we have done so many gatherings where I've been in the basketball court leading students, and there are diverse students all around me. And I think, wow, through doing life with this guy, through being in community, God spoke a word to him for me that has impacted me, that has, that has grown and built my faith. You see, community is absolutely essential for every generation. But can we focus in on our millennials for a second? I want to share two stats with you. 70% of millennials who dropped out of church did not have close friendships in their faith community. Check out this stat. 90% of millennials who left the church say they never had a mentor at their church. You see, stats show it. Scripture shows it that one of the defining aspects of your life and my life need to be that we are living in community. The other day I was at Starbucks And as I was walking into Starbucks, one of my favorite things happened. I love walking into Starbucks and seeing one of our life groups gathering. And and here's Chris, the life group leader of these young adult women. And I got to crash their party and say hi to them. And, And this group has been meeting through the pandemic, mostly online, and is now regathering in person. And to see the ways that these young women have been so deeply impacted by Chris's leadership, Has just been absolutely incredible. And that's what the scriptures are talking about. And so, my challenge for you is this start a Luke group with us, join a Luke group, regather with your group, and study Luke with us as we do this as a church. Number three, number three, the the second decision I want to encourage you to make is this show up to church. The text continues. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread. This is a biblical way of understanding that they gathered around the Lord's table, that they took community together, that they worshipped together, that they prioritized being together with, with Christ, uh, death and resurrection at the center of their gatherings. that they, they joined together and they worshipped, that they made church a priority in their schedules. Now, I want to talk to our online community here for a minute. I know that for for some of us, for some of us, we continue to engage with church online for various health reasons. And I understand that completely, but there, there are some of us, and I I let myself into this too, where it has become so easy, so much more comfortable, so much more convenient to watch church online. And by doing that, we've, we've missed it. We've missed the power of gathering with a group of people to lift the name of Jesus high, to to worship him, to hear the word and to experience it in community. We've missed out on taking communion together as a body of Christ. There's something powerful that happens when the body of Christ gathers together to open his word, to worship him, to lift his name high, which is why I wanna invite you for those of you that have been have been waiting for that invitation to come back, I I can't think of a better time for you to come back than next Sunday, January 9th. Pastor Glenn is going to be kicking off our brand new series called Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes of Luke. It's going to take us all the way through all the way up to Easter. And also, next Sunday, Pastor Glenn is going to be giving an announcement and an update about our worship center renovation. So make sure you're here for that. And I'd love to invite you back in person with us. And what's beautiful about Purpose Church is that we are a multi ethnic, multi generational church. I think of that amazing story in Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 25 when Jesus is presented at the temple. We meet two important characters in the story. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So, so he's, he's a seasoned saint, Simeon is. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Let's keep going to verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. This is a powerful moment in the story because Simeon and Anna were unprotected groups in the ancient Near East. They were older, they were seasoned saints. They could have come up with an excuse and said, I've heard every sermon. I I, I can now kind of graduate from following God. I've been around for a while. And yet, because they showed up faithfully to worship God in every single age and stage of their life. When they were older, when things were tragic and painful, they continued to show up. It was on this moment that they got to see the greatest miracle in the history of the world. God in a bodge shown up here and who would eventually die and rise from the dead for all people. And they saw it. With their own eyes because they showed up. Now, this idea of showing up, there's two different meanings. I'm not talking about just showing up and sitting there, I'm talking about showing up. I'm talking about walking in the room with expectation. You see, Simeon and Anna, they just wanted to see Jesus, They, they were focused. They had decided that that was the most important thing in their lives. And they determined that they would never graduate from showing up to church, that they would never grow out of that experience. And yet, here's the thing, friends. There are definitely things that you should outgrow. I mean, there's things you should outgrow. I want to show you some pictures from my childhood that thankfully for all of you and for me that I have outgrown these things. The first thing is this is me in a Power Ranger suit as a little kid. And I don't know if you can see it, but I've got snake cowboy boots. All right. Y'all are thankful today that I have outgrown this Stage. There's another picture of of a season. I outgrew. This is this is me. I think this is me in middle school with bleach tips. Like, thanks be to God, this sort of fad and trend is no longer. Th- so I I outgrew. That season, or how about this one? This is on my 21st birthday. Look, I got all that hair, I don't know where it's going, but I got all that hair. That is way too many buttons down. Like I'm I'm sorry, it's way you need to button up. So thankfully, I outgrew that stage of my life. But when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to showing up to church, we never outgrow that. We never get too far in our lives to say, ah, that that stage or that season is behind me. And I can't think of a better example of this than, than a woman that many of you probably know. Her name is Mary Ellen. I love Mary Ellen so much. She is a, a 90 years young woman in our church. And she has been at Purpose Church for 85 years. She's been a faithful member participant for 85 years years and, and I asked Mary Ellen, I said, okay, you've been at Purpose Church for eighty-five years, you've been following Jesus. Why do you keep showing up to church? And this is what she this is what she said. She said what a privilege it is to tell young people, which that's all of us, right? All of us are, are young people. For, what a privilege it is to tell young people about my walk with God. And so whatever age or stage you are, let Mary Ellen minister to you right now. Let, let her talk to you as a younger person and say this. He has brought me through so many humps and bumps in my road of life that I am losing count. He is always there when I want to talk to him if I'm feeling down. And he lets me find passages in the Bible that bring me right back up again. I remember when I was five years old and in Sunday school, they gave us little books that we had homework for each week. I couldn't wait to get home to start on it to make sure it was done for next Sunday. Junior high and high school ministries were really a fun time for me at church. I was lucky enough to be able to go to summer and winter camps at Thousand Pines each year where I learned more about my Lord and had fun as well. My Lord is always with me and I'm so thankful for him. My 90 years on this earth would mean nothing to me if he had not been with me right by my side. I hope all of you listening to Pastor Eric right now will get and hold on to the Lord your God and talk to him because he will always hear you. Maybe what you pray for won't happen right away, but just hang in there. God has a time frame of his own, and we have to understand that he has the perfect time for things to happen. His amazing grace will be with you and me always. What an incredible encouragement from Mary Ellen. Number four. I want to encourage you in 2022 to to devote yourself to, to to decide that you will pray daily. Our our Acts chapter 2 passage continues. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I can't think of a, a better example of someone who's committed their life to prayer than wonderful Bob Smith. A few weeks ago, Bob Smith passed away and And just last week, we were able to celebrate his life. Now, this man right here holds a special place in my heart. I had the privilege of knowing him as a close friend for these last nine years that I've been here at Purpose Church. And and Pat Hamilton and others got up and shared about the life of Bob Smith. And what they were all saying is this, Bob Smith loved to pray. I mean, he loved to pray for others. And he loved to pray long prayers, okay? He prayed long prayers. And I want to pause on this picture for a second. Not only was Bob a passionate prayer, and not only was he committed to his adult Sunday school classes and, and to gathering together, but he was committed to the next generation. This is Bob and Judy with a, a group of high school guys that they said, we're going to be the spiritual grandparents for this group with Peter Hidalgo and Micah Basta and a, a bunch of our amazing students right here. We got Ian, who's one of our technicians here at Purpose Church. It's an amazing group. And Bob and Judy, faithfully walked with this group, this life group of boys from their freshman year all the way to their senior year. And check out Bob Smith with the hat on. I love it. And and this next picture is one of my favorite pictures of Bob Smith. This is Bob Smith blindfolded, about to put his hands into some slimy spaghetti. Why? Because he wanted to build relationships with the next generation. He wanted to earn the opportunity to pray for them to give advice and encouragement, to point them to Jesus. I have one voicemail saved on my phone right now, and it's from October 5th, 2020. And it's a voicemail from Bob Smith. And Bob said, Eric, I don't know why, but I just wanted to call you and tell you, love your family. He said, I know ministry is hard, but love your family. And then he said, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Friends, let's follow the example of Bob Smith. Let's follow the example of so many in our church and let's commit to praying daily, praying for a few moments, asking God to give us his eyes to see our situations. It, it was it was praying daily that helped this scared group, this small group of Christians to have hope and to believe that God was going to do something amazing in their lives. Number five, number five, let's prioritize unity. Let's continue in verses 43 to 46. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See friends, the first followers of Jesus, they made a radical commitment that their unity would not be based on cultural things. Their unity would not be based on political affiliations. Their unity would not be based on the the zip code that they live in. That they would have a radical unity that was anchored in the love and the gospel of Jesus. In fact, friends, when we are united with Christ and we are united in Christ, the impossible becomes possible. You want to see something crazy in your life? Choose to prioritize radical unity with the body of Christ, not letting anything get in between us and divide us. Committed to God's word, anchored and devoted to God's word. When we do that, when we're united in Christ and we're united with Christ, the impossible becomes possible. And then lastly, number six, in 2022, Would you make a decision? Would you make a commitment to be devoted to reaching your neighbors? Check out the last verse, verse 47. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The first followers of Jesus began to see more and more people coming as they devoted themselves to God's word, as they committed to doing life together, as they showed up to worship God in a larger community, as they prayed daily, as they prioritized unity, that they were empowered and enabled to go and to reach their neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ that is better than any news that we're watching out there is the good news that Christ has come because he loves us, because we are broken on our own, because there's no hope for us to be in a right relationship with God apart from Christ and Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our anchor. And with that message, we can go out to our neighbors and share and invite and encourage them to come and experience Christ. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., the the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he had this, this interesting and powerful phrase. There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. No, it was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? it it, it is your presence in your community is your presence in your neighborhood is your presence in your family helping to change the temperature to lead people not to anything else not to any other ideology no no is your presence helping people find and follow jesus at purpose church we're about one thing everyone everywhere following jesus and that's not just who we are as 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 a church as, as a larger body. That's who we are as people, as Christians, that we are those who commit to a passionate life of reaching our neighbors because we believe God's intention and goal and dream and passion is that everyone everywhere would follow him. I want to close with a story when Charlie and I, when Charlie was maybe only uh, a year and a half or two years old, He went on a plane with me for the very first time. And before this, Charlie was obsessed with planes. It's all he could talk about. It's all he could think about. He was crazy about planes. He would watch YouTube videos about planes being built literally for like 15 or 20 minutes. And I thought, why are you doing this? This is the most boring thing in the world. Charlie couldn't get enough of it. So I woke him up that one morning as we were going to board the airplane. I woke him up and we went through security and and we got to our gate. And we're we're sitting there with a bunch of other people at 6.30 in the morning, and they're so tired. They're so ready to be wherever they're going next. They got their headphones on and they're sleeping, but not Charlie. Because Charlie goes up to that giant glass window where he is seeing for the very first time a real life plane. And he crams his face up to that window, getting the bubonic plague and anything else that was on that window. He crams his, he smashes his face up to that window. And I go up and I look at him and I see his eyes are so big because he's seeing a real life airplane. After staring for a few minutes, he runs back to, to the center of where everyone else is sitting around and bored out of their minds, half asleep with headphones on. And Charlie screams, Planes! Planes! And y'all should have seen it. Every one of these people perked up. They were ter- I mean, they thought a plane was coming through the window. I mean, they were scared out of their minds. But Charlie didn't care because there was a real life airplane on the other side of that window and he needed everyone to know about it. So he walks back up to that glass window, smashes his face against it, takes in the glory of the airplane. And once again, right as everyone had fallen back asleep, Charlie goes to the very center and screams, planes, planes. He did this literally three or four times. And when I saw him do that, I said, I want to have that same passion for the gospel. I want to be just like Charlie. I want to get as close as I can to Jesus. I want to spend time with him and in community with us. I want to show up to church with an expectation that I'm going to experience God. And then I want to go out into the world, into my neighborhood, into my communities. And I want to reach those people with the good news of Jesus. I want everyone to know. Because after all, this is true for you and it's true for me that God is not done with you yet. That God is not done with me yet. I don't know what 2022 is going to bring. I don't know what decisions others will make that will impact your life, but I do know that you, that you and I, that we have control over the decisions we will make, that we get to determine what we will be devoted to in 2022. And because we believe that God is not done with us yet. Let us be people who, like the early Christians, were devoted and made decisions according to God's desires. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for everyone tuning in right now. I pray, Lord, that as they're beginning to map out their goals and strategies and what they want 2022 to look like, that they would choose to commit to some things, that it doesn't matter what happens to them this year, that they will be defined by a commitment to read their Bibles, to be committed to a life group, to show up to church, to pray daily, to, to prioritize unity, and to reach their neighbors. Because after all, those six decisions, oh, they defined the course of history. And I believe that they could still be just as life-changing and world-changing today as they were then. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: The new year is often a time of reflection, a chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember. Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation, The old has gone, and the new has come.